There's a Voc therapist in Caldor City. Uh, he listens to Toby Haydock's Who's Round, and he'll like this episode. Uh, well, I'm delighted to be in a dressing room at uh, the Bolton Octagon, not far from me, and uh, a, a fine actor happens to be passing through. He also happened to pass through a certain television programme many years ago. So I'm going to ask him who he is and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Hi, my name's Rob Edwards, and uh, I was in The Robots of Death many, many years ago, uh, and I've just seen a little clip of it. And I was amazed, first of all, how slim and handsome I was... <laughs> And secondly, how completely camp the performance was. Um, and I, now I remember, we, the director said we were supposed to be very decadent. That was the word, I think. We were decadent because the robots did all the work. That yeah. was the idea. So we were the kind of... Uh, we were all lounge lizards, lying around drinking and getting massages. As it. Uh, so I obviously interpreted this as being rather camp, <laughs> as did most everybody else. It seemed rather kind of mannered, but uh, interesting to see after all these years. I think you're great. I think because we d- it, we didn't watch your death scene where you do ah, the where you do I the getting uh, getting killed thing very well. I think it's oh, do I? Yeah. Oh, I have to see that then. Yeah. Um, all I remember about that getting killed was I remember the light was in a it was in a sort of tiny little set, a storeroom, isn't it, or something yeah. on the spaceship or whatever we're on. I can't remember. Um, and I do remember the lighting man said, "Can you get can you get strangled over here, Governor? Because uh, uh, you know, because they, they all talk in this silly Cockney way. <laughs> um, can you get strangled over here? Because uh, I, I can't get any light on you there. So um, so I remember I had to sort of change the angle of strangulation." But the, I don't remember much about it. I will tell you this. I can, this is my sort of Doctor Who story. I got booked for one episode, right? And I get murdered. My character, I can't remember his name. Chubb. Chubb, Chubb. Chubb gets murdered at the end. He's the first of the victims of the robots. He gets murdered at the end. So I was booked for one episode. It was recorded multi-episodically. Now, when they edited it, obviously, I don't know whether they changed their minds or what happened. Anyway, I was killed at the end of the first episode, but my body, under a sheet, on, on a trolley, with just my feet sticking out, was wheeled across at the beginning of the next episode. So they had to pay me another fee. Oh, because really? I were... did wonder, because I thought, that, that's, that is actually you. It was actually me. Now, I think if they'd been a bit sharp... <laughs> it's my feet, um, which got exactly the same fee as all the rest of me in the first episode. So my feet are obviously as good as the rest of me altogether. Anyway, but yeah, I think if they'd been a bit clever about it, they could easily have had somebody else under the sheet and only paid me for. But they were honest and they were good. I think it was a mistake on their part. I, I, well, I've got a feeling. I think it's because they in the edit they had to change some of the stuff from previous episodes was brought forward and back. So. I think ah. originally you weren't supposed to have been, ah, and then right. you were, okay. and then they had, so they had to give they you some money. They had to give me some money. Anyway, they were very honest about it, and they did. And I was very happy to take it. Well, and I, I suspect you won't remember this, because you're actually in two Doctor Who stories, Rob, ah, because, because okay. you were around for the Robots of Death. The previous story, called The Face of Evil, has the voice of a computer called Zoanon, and you and Pamela Salem both go in 
and do a bit. And I'm guessing it just must be because you were around. And they went, can you, can you do some dubbing for this episode? I, I don't remember how it came about. I do remember doing it. It was just an afternoon in the studio. Tom Baker was there, I remember. He was dubbing some stuff. Yes, I never saw it, so I don't know what that is. Oh, it's very good. It's the, it's the story immediately prior. Okay. You're, you're an insane right. computer. Okay, okay, well... <laughs> and what do you remember of Tom? Because he's quite, he's quite a memorable fellow. He, yeah, n- nothing very much. I didn't have any scenes with him. I don't remember much about him. I think he was very nice. I think he was very good. I think he was... I think he's my favourite Doctor Who. Uh, though I did like William Hartnell. I did think he was wonderful. Uh, the director was Michael Bryant, who also directed you in Secret Army. So. Yes, that's right. I did, I think, a couple of things with Michael Bryant. He's a very nice man, yeah. Yeah. And how is... Uh, so where were you at this point in your career, then? We're looking at... so so uh, uh, Early days. Yeah, not say. not many tellies. Was... was I mean, you've done so much theatre work. Was was that was television something that you aimed for? Was it something you were looking for? Is it just something that came along now and again? A jobbing actor, I think. Yeah, sort of looking. For, yeah, just looking to do anything really that comes along. I think it must have been. I don't. It wasn't my first telly because I remember that. Um, that was a sort of quiz show, a sort of dramatic episode, a dramatic scene in some kind of a Was it like a Who Done It. Yeah, like a Who Done It thing. And you had to guess who the... Yeah, that's right, a panel of celebrities. Yeah. I can't remember, the ITV thing. That was my... I played a policeman at one line. And that was my first telly. So, but this would be very much early on. I mean, yeah, I was at drama school from 72 to 74. I'm pretty sure about that, Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. So that would be, yeah, in the first right. couple of years. Yeah. So what had taken you there? Were you always was the, 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 acting in your family? Was, uh, what was, what was your not, it, it, Well, my mum was all keen on amateur dramatics. She used to direct the WI plays. Uh, I, I had a very uh, a brilliant, I think, English teacher at school who directed the school play, and I don't know, kind of got into it. I don't quite know why. Probably some influence my mum probably trying to live out... I think she could have been a very successful actress, you know, but she had a family and women didn't... either had a family or did careers in those days. So, uh, but had a, a, a wonderful, inspiring English teacher, Oliver Goldfinch was his name, and he directed the school plays, and I think they were brilliant, you know. I don't know what to think of them if I could see them now. But at the time, we thought they were rather wonderful, and um, I started off playing... Uh, part in, in something called The Night of the Burning Pestle. I played a, a spoilt little boy. I must have been, I suppose, in the fourth form, I don't know, 14, 15 or something like that. And I had a sort of catchphrase. Uh, yes, forsooth, mother, and thanks be to God. Or something. Anyway, it became a kind of thing. It became a kind of catchphrase. I was a sort of big hit. Um, and everybody sort of came up to me, like Dick Emery, you know, punched me on the back and repeated my catchphrase to me at school. And I was a bit of an instant star at school, so I thought, oh, this is great, and I've been working my way downhill <laughs> ever since, really. Yes, so sort of, yeah, but I don't know, got the taste for it. And you went to drama school? Went to drama school, uh, uh, went to weekly rep, it's fortnightly rep, was it then, Worcester, oh, went to Prospect Theatre Company, first of all, Worcester, rep in Worcester and York, um, odd tellies, things like that. Did quite a lot of work for the Royal Shakespeare Company about 1980s onwards. Well, I was I'd have done about 20, 30 maybe individual productions for them. I did 
over a period of, I suppose, well, I mean, the last one was a few years ago. Well, you were, let's not forget, you were Horatio to Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. I was Horatio to Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, that's right. That must have been a gig and a half. Uh, yes. He's a, he's a complete darling, of course, as everyone will tell you, and huge fun, and an extraordinary person. Shall I give you my Ken, a quick Kenneth oh, Branagh story? Okay, this isn't funny, by the way, but it shows his character, I think. He, um, at the time he was doing Hamlet, so he's playing Hamlet, we were in at the Barbican, we started off in the Barbican and ended up in Stratford, not the usual way, way round for RSC productions, but obviously everything with Kenneth Branagh was always a bit different, as he was such a big star. And he, he was doing, so he's doing Hamlet, he's also editing his movie, um, Much Ado About Nothing, which I think he just completed, he was doing that in the day, plus he was setting up Frankenstein. And he got, he had a fax machine in his dressing room, which was... Uh, days before email and internet and stuff. So he had a fax machine in his dressing room, which was rather extraordinary, and he was faxing Hollywood about um, Frankenstein, trying to get a main actor to play the part. And he came down one day, and he was all very open about everything he was doing, his chat about it. I met him at the beginning of the play, Horatio comes down with Hamlet, and then at the end of the play, at the beginning of the play, he was in a right mood, swearing his head off, as he often does, and saying those I think he used a different word to that. They've given me um, a kind of ultimatum. They've told me that I'm booked on uh, Concord tomorrow. I've got to fly to New York and I've got to get Robert De Niro. Now, if it had been me, I'd have, I'd have said to Mr. Sony TriStar person on the other end of the phone, oh, yes, fine, I'll do my best, sir, and got on Concord, but not Ken Branagh. He said, no, I'm not, I'm not standing for this. So I, I, I faxed them straight back. I said, either I am greenlit, which is, the, as you know, the movie expression for kind of signing on the dotted line, either I'm greenlit and you go ahead with this movie with me as the director by 11 o'clock tonight, or I walk away from the whole thing. This is at 7.35 of a performance of Hamlet. It's just starting. He goes on stage... His whole future hanging in the balance. And uh, I want to hear this email back from you. Oh, sorry, there's a fax back from you by, uh, you know, by 10.30 or something tonight. He goes on stage, plays Hamlet, cool as a cucumber. Well, I didn't notice, you know, very good performance. Uh, and then I meet him at the end of the play and he comes down and gives me the thumbs up. Yes, they've greenlit him. They're going to give him whatever happens that he's doing it and he's the director. And anyway, he still went on Concord the next morning, and he did get Robert De Niro to play the creature. Uh, but on his own terms, as opposed yeah. to it being a kind of threat hanging over him. So he's a... T he's a you know, you can, he's, you can see how he's got on, really. Yeah, it's not enough just to be a good actor. No, not a good actor. He's, he's a tough cookie, and he knows his worth, and he kind of, you know, fights these people. You know, I think he's got great guts and great courage, really. Well, of course, and you were in his epic film, if I mean, not as Horatio. Uh, no, in, no, in the play. no, not as, <laughs> not as Horatio. <laughs> Had you brought that up. Uh, yes, as playing... But, yeah, got me in as a small part, as he did a couple of people who were in, in the stage production. So did he just ask you to do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, he did. And uh, that was a lot of fun, too. We all had a, a night. Uh, a few of us who'd done Hamlet 
and I think John Sessions was there as well, he's a big mate of his. We had a very jolly night uh, before filming round at his the enormous millionaire pad he was renting and living in near the studio um, before we started filming. But he's, he's such a lovely guy, um, you know, and thoroughly deserves his great success, of course. Um, but, but you, when, so when you arrived at the RSC, you sort of, you know, you, you were, you were um, playing good parts and, and working yeah. with some fine actors and directors, so, I yeah. mean, is, is it the Shakespeare stuff that's given you the most satisfaction, would you say? I would say some of it, yeah. Some some performances, yeah. But other performances as well. I think, uh, I mean, I've done a lot of work with David Thacker, uh, uh, who directed this play I'm in at the moment, and we go right back to The Young Vic. I did a lot of work for him at The Young Vic, some of that, uh, Shakespeare again, um, which I, you know, think very fondly of. And actually, latterly, in the sort of, evening of my career, as it were, um, the twilight. Uh, I, he's asked me to come up here since he's been running the Octagon, because this is his last production as, uh, as artistic director. This one. But, um, and I'm I've, I've really very proud of all the work I've done here, actually. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream and Romeo and Juliet and uh, Habeas Corpus. I, I thought they were all great. Well, he directed a TV measure for measure that you were. Oh the yeah, yeah, that's right, that's a, right. Which was a, I remember that being a, a very interesting modern reworking. Lucio's the the best part in it, is it not? Would you say? It can it can be a bit of a scene a scene stealer. Yes, it is. It is a very good part. It's a good flashy part. Yes, I enjoy playing that. I played it for him at the Young Vic as well on stage, a couple of times. I seem to have done measure for measure. I played Lucio and the Duke. Um, and the Duke's a great part, actually. A lot of it's a lot of words, a lot of hard work. But big it, part, isn't big it? Big part. Yeah, it's one of the longest parts of Shakespeare, if not the longest. I can't remember. I it's think surprisingly it, I think, long. It's called John Darrell told me it was oh, the right. biggest. Oh, is it? And, and John knows his stuff, but I, but I sometimes think Iago must be. Yeah, I think Iago. But it is surprisingly huge. Yeah. Um, and often thought of as rather a, a lot of hard work for not a lot of reward. But I think it is a great part, actually. And David did, I think, did wonderful productions of it. Um, yes. And so what about the great Shakespearean actors that you've, you've worked, worked with? Worked like, with... Uh, David Suchet and Alan Howard's Richard III? Yes, sorts. David Suchet. Only the... Yes, I worked... I was young Gobbo to his merchant. Uh, famous merchant, he did. Yeah, mm. that, I think that was the part that sort of set him off really got him noticed, I think. As, I mean, he'd been doing main parts at the RSC and stuff, and I think, was it that one, or was it that combined with his... Glogower was the name of the character in a, in a kind of uh, 1920s, 30s, a Moss Hart play, which I've forgotten, which was a huge RSC hit. I saw it, I wasn't in it. Um, that kind of lifted him off, I think, those two parts... Um, yeah, that, um, well, Alan Howard, the great Alan Howard, was first, was the leading man, Richard III, when I did that there, played a small part in that. Tom yeah. Wilkinson quite, played quite a small part in that production, though, so it's amazing uh, looking at those RSC yes, cast well, lists. We, we started, yeah, we started um, the RSC together, and we were in, we, was, we had a very, we had very good parts, 
in a in a Beaumont and Fletcher play called The Maid's Tragedy, which was in the other place, the old other place, which is a tin shed up the road from the main theatre. And we, uh, yeah, that was right, yeah, we had a great time in that one, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, he was Melantius and I was Amintor. Um, yeah. So to what extent can an actor plan, plan a career then? Because you had, oh, I mean, things God. like By the Sword Divided, you've got, you know, a big part in a big series, but then there's the call of the theatre. I mean, did you ever have to juggle oh. and make big decisions? No, I don't. I don't remember ever making. <laughs> I don't remember jug. Maybe I can't remember. I must have. I do remember. I think I had occasional uh, couple of offers at the same time, which was rather nice. But I don't think it. No, I never made any kind of life-changing um, decisions. I had a my main TV career, if you like. I suppose was the sort of mid eighties. Yeah. I had a run of a, a few series for the BBC, and then one for Granada which I think finished me off, I think, actually, um, uh, where I did, yeah, was playing kind of main parts in series, almost by the sword divided, which did two series, costumes, sort of, roundheads and cavaliers, upstairs, downstairs, set in the Civil War or the English Revolution, depending on your politics. Um, and uh, uh, what was the other one? And, and, and the other one was a war, the first one was a war thing, the fourth arm. Yeah, with Philip Latham and with Paul Philip Shelley. With Philip God, you've done your research. <laughs> With Philip Layton, I can yes, do. Oh, lovely, yes. Paul Shelley, oh, never Paul Shelley. Paul Shelley's done one of these. Yeah, has he? Yeah, yeah. What was he in Doctor Who? He was a frog alien. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Of course he was. Of course he was. Oh, I can see it now. <laughs> Didn't need any makeup. No, he's handsome, handsome, Paul Shelley. Uh, I've, I haven't seen him for a number of years, but we were mates for quite a long time, actually. Uh, uh, yeah, um... What am I talking about? My TV so, career. Yes, let me finish off about that. Yeah, The Fourth Arm, By the Sword Divided, and then a thing called The Practice for yes. Granada, which I took over, uh, which I think none of them were really very successful. And I don't know whether somebody wise in television worked out the common denominator. It's <laughs> quite wise. <laughs> anyway, uh, then I didn't really work on... TV much after that, certainly not in kind of main roles. Uh, then I, I think, then I went back to the RSC. I think. Yeah. That's when I sort of did a big chunk of theatre again, uh, and then did odd bits and bobs and stuff on telly. Do you have a preference for telly or theatre? I love the theatre. My favourite thing would be not a huge barn, not main house Stratford on Avon as it used to be. Of course, they've changed it now. Uh, um, I would I would prefer a small theatre, well, call the Octagon a small theatre, it's not a tiny theatre, but a smallish theatre. The Swan at Stratford is a wonderful space, I think, doing a play. That's my favourite thing because, why? Because from an acting point of view, you do, you do it, it's a, it, it's a real event, you're doing it in order, telling the story in order, it all sounds I try not to. Uh, you know, when you're talking to people, you're really talking to them, they're on stage with you, very often when you're filming, sometimes you can't even see the person you're supposed to be talking to. I've done film where they weren't there, you know, someone's reading in the lines, it happens. Um, I've never successfully, perhaps that's why my screen career has never been successful with my stage career, I've never, I've never quite understood how 
I hand it to these, you know, great stars on the screen, how they manage to kind of create this stuff out of their imaginations. Because you were, whereas on stage it's kind of real, it's there for you, the person's talking to you. Uh, the story, as I say, is happening, if, if you, you know, if you have a big dramatic scene, emotional scene or whatever, or funny scene, the momentum of that carries you on into the next bit. Whereas filming, you film it and all, you know, it's all done according to the dictates of the of the locations you know you film every scene in a certain location so you could be beginning with the first scene and the and the last scene you could do them back to back you could do scene in the middle um i remember a tv one i did he did apologize to me about this the director said the first scene i had to do was the big emotional kind of breakdown scene which actually went okay i'm pleased to say um but uh you know there's it's a different. It's a, It's more. I think film acting is more technical in a, in that way, and you've got to hit marks. It's much more restricted. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> yeah, useless. I did an episode of um, uh, Thick of It. Oh, just a couple of thick. The Thick of It. Yeah. And that was brilliant because there's no marks. Yeah. Just handheld cameras following you around. Well, I was going to ask you about that because yeah. I've had a few mates in that who say it's yeah. a very different way of acting because... Oh, I loved it. Does, you, is, well, ex, yeah, explain it. It's much more organic. It's yeah, like, well, uh, there's the business of the improvisation, which I'm, I did. I, that, that is a bit hard. I, if you're coming in... Um, if you're coming in just to do an episode, you don't really know much about your character. Peter Capaldi, for instance, is an absolutely wonderful Tucker character. Is it Tucker? Is it Malcolm yeah, Malcolm Tucker. Tucker. Malcolm yeah. Tucker. I had all my, I had my scenes with him. Because he's wonderful, because he kind of does it for you. He just abuses you, and you have to sort of respond as best you can to the torrent of verbal <laughs> <laughs> abuse which he gives. Uh, uh, but, yeah, well, it's filmed. It's to, you had a couple of cameras, handheld, and you just sort of do it. I mean, obviously, quite a lot of the time you're sitting down behind a desk or in front of a desk, so uh, there's not a lot of movement around. But but there's no, you know, you can move around as you feel it. You know, it doesn't it doesn't matter. They follow you. They get the shot. So that's great. You do a few takes. It is scripted. You do one with the script, one kind of with the script, but also going off tangents sometimes, and one completely free for all. I think that was how it worked. And then do you go? Do you watch that to see what's made it into the edit? I mean, do you watch yourself? Generally? Uh, I, I well, I watch the show at the end. Yeah, I don't watch the edit. I don't uh, know. But uh, you're not I averse want... to watching watching yourself work. I find it weird. I have to. I record them, obviously. Uh, the first time you watch it, I think I don't know. I don't. I don't get a sense of what I do at all. It's just too weird. And then uh, I don't really like seeing myself. It's a bit weird. You know? sound like that do I look like that um, and then then you watch it again if you, if you have to kind of watch it from a professional point of view say you're trying to make up a show reel or something trying to find something that you've done that you think you can put in a show reel then you have to watch it a few times and then and possibly with somebody else give you an idea as well I find it very hard to judge one's own stuff and what about when you do something like when you're so used to doing Shakespeare on the stage, when yeah. you do it on television, um, yeah. is that quite a leap of technique because you're doing the sort of performance that, that, that the two rarely cross over, if that makes sense? I don't, I don't think so, actually. Um, no. 
I know, you think not, because you think you've got to project a lot for the stage. That's something I think you do quite naturally, you know. Uh, and I don't like acting in huge theatres, to be honest. I've done a bit of it, but I don't find... I'm not... You know, I'm not, I, don't, I don't like that. There is a sort of trade-off if you've got to kind of ladle it out to the back wall. There is a sort of trade-off with, uh, with the kind of reality of it. I think that's harder to do. Um, so, yeah. But I... When, well, I've only, let me think. I did some. Uh, I played Prince John of Lancaster, was it? In yeah. Henry IV. Yeah. Uh, that was. For that David was Giles. For David Giles. That was a BBC thing. They recorded all Shakespeare's. I have to say, I, uh, I think they were rather dull, actually. Very straight. That was rather like just doing a stage play. I can't remember much difference about that. I think the remit for those was we are capturing the play, wasn't it? It was the remit was sort of this is for schools. We don't want any clever dick interpretations. Um, we just want you to kind of do the lines and dress up in the in the costumes and uh, very traditional, I suppose, would be the word or something like that. But then they got bored with that halfway through, and then they changed. They got Jonathan Miller in at That's one right, point, yeah. and then it all became. Kind of you cast know. John Cleese in Taming of the Shrew. And cast John Cleese <laughs> Taming of the Shrew. It's rather good, I thought. Um, brilliant actor. Um, the measure for measure, I didn't that I did with David. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I didn't think of that we were doing theatrical performances. No, no. Well, that I, I was thought that felt very kind of, and it didn't feel much. It didn't feel any different to how you would do it in a small theatre. Yeah. Sure. Exactly the same, which is what I would, in an ideal world, where I'd like to work all the time, a small theatre, a small, very well-paid theatre. <laughs> uh, are the two things, <laughs> are the two things ever possible? I'm not sure, not, not quite, no. Well, we mentioned Taming of the Shrew, which uh, is where uh, I first saw you live, because oh, you worked yes. with a Doctor Who icon, Kate O'Mara. Yes. Uh, and you were a very funny Tranio. Yes, Kate O'Mara, yeah. Um... That was a bit of an odd job. That was the actors' company they were called. Yeah, so no director was the well, theory. So you'd think that was the theory. In reality, there were probably ten, twelve directors because <laughs> everybody had an idea, um, and everybody started directing. I'm not sure that's such a good idea, actually. Um, I uh, though the, the end product was quite good. They did have a rule, I think, that you tried anything once. Anybody had a suggestion. You, the rule was you tried it once, at least, and uh, then if it didn't, wasn't, didn't seem much of a go, that was the end of it. Um, but I seem to remember there was an awful lot of arguments, and it's like <laughs> Kate was great in it. I think it was a very good production. It was a very, it was a great production. But as an actor, the idea of having to sit around while every actor gives their idea. Uh, yeah, of what you yeah. Should be well, doing. it's not every actor. There's a few. There's always a few. There's just a few <laughs> who like to do that. Um, I, I do discreetly, occasionally, but only if I really feel I've got something to say. Um, all I remember about that, we we went to a festival in Amman, in Jordan, which was held in a Roman amphitheatre, and uh, we did one performance there, which was absolutely fantastic, because the audience were completely gripped and caught up in this play, and the, 
you know, the feminists, the women who were shouting and cheering for Kate, and the chauvinists, the male chauvinists, were all kind of shouting for Petruchio and so on. And uh, it got very, you know, they were really joining in. It was a fantastic atmosphere and fantastic event. And what about your television? What are, what are your happiest memories uh, of television or, or happiest anything memories that particularly sticks, sticks out? Well, I like doing By the Sword Divided and uh, I enjoyed very much doing The Thick of It. I enjoyed do, doing A Midsummer Murders. That's a few years ago now. You did um, a campion with Peter Davison as well. Oh, it? God, I can't remember that. Yes, that's right. Campion with Peter Davison. Um... I think one of the happiest ones I did, one of the ones that kind of does stick in my mind is was, um, I can't remember its name, it was actually a kind of drama documentary. It was fronted by Edward Woodward, whom we didn't meet, uh, but he did. He was the sort of narrator. Oh, I remember, cri- yeah, True a, Crimes or so, yes. Yes, kind of, it was a Granada thing, yeah. and it was, uh, there were little episodes of, of a crime, they were a true reenactment of, and he was... This guy was the last person to be hanged, is that right, in England for a murder? Maybe I've just, just made that up. I, th- I, I think thought that... that was Derek Bentley, but I could be yes, wrong. Yes, you're right. So I've made that up. Was he the first? No, he couldn't possibly have been, the, been in the Middle Ages or something. <laughs> the penultimate guy. <laughs> the penultimate. He, uh, yes, anyway, he... Um, Yes, he was a bigamist, and anyway, I can't remember what it was called, but I loved doing it, and uh, 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 it was it was great. I loved doing that. Well, because of the part, or just because of the part, I think. I think the part, and um, yes, quite an interesting role. Quite an interesting role, and good good director whose name escapes me. Uh, yeah, but he was very good too. And talking of interesting roles, are there any? Well, you know, if you uh, if if you had another season back at the RSC, are there any parts yes. that you would you would want them to lure you with? Uh, I wouldn't mind playing Polonius. I've seen one great performance of it. I think. I think. I think Polonius has got to be really very funny, as he usually is, but also extremely nasty. I think he's a completely horrible man. Um, and who was the great one that you saw? Oh, I can't remember his name. You know, gosh, it wasn't a famous performance or anything. It was Cheap by Jowl, and he managed to be both funny, immoral and horrible, and also a blithering idiot. And I think he's all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, funny because he is such an idiot, in a way. Uh, but also kind of nasty with it. But anyway, like Boris Johnson would be perfect. Boris Johnson <laughs> would be perfect casting for Polonius. Um, I'm not sure he's an idiot, though, is he? Or he's a buffoon. He pretends yeah. to be. I'm not sure. The other thing I haven't mentioned, but now we're talking about Michael, of course, is the Lion King. Of course. Uh, which, of course, took up a huge amount of. It was Scar. Scar, yeah, for five. Five and a half years. Is that how long you did it yes, for? Yes, it is, yes. I'm always slightly embarrassed to say that. What? I have a high boredom threshold. So what, would they renew you every year? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For yearly. a year? Yeah, for a year. And you'd have to go, do I do this again? Yeah. And every time, it was there was never a... Five is a long time. It's a long time. Well, I said to my wife... I said to the wife, I said... Um, 
what was it? Rob Wilton says that, doesn't he? I said to the wife, I said, um, I said to my wife, yeah, because I've never made any money in this business, and this was a, a handsome offer of quite good, of good money. And I thought, well, I'll try and stick it out for five years. We'll put a bit by, and uh, and start our family in that time. So that's what we did, and uh, it actually went by much quicker and easier than I ever anticipated. I didn't have any idea whether I'd go completely mad or whether it would be a struggle. But in fact, I really enjoyed it most of the time. There were odd dips, but no more than there are in any run of any play for any even short length of time. There were no kind of long periods of... Maybe it's the nature of the part. I think it was a good part, Scott. Mm, there was great part. It's an opportunity. There's opportunities there, you know, find things and invent things. And it's an extraordinary show as well. And it's, it's yeah, and you're part of it. Was the music as well? Kind of gets you going every night. There's a, there's a buzz about it. It was. Uh, Your voice must be in very fine shape then to have been uh, singing. Uh, uh, what six days a week, two matinees it, for five years? It, it was better than it is now. Um, but I'm not a great singer. But they, the songs aren't difficult. They're not. They're not high. There's no big range in it, and you can talk quite a bit of it if you've got a cold or something. <laughs> uh, it, you know, they weren't. Uh, I don't think Jeremy Irons, if I'm fair, is a great singer either. So I don't think they were written as sort of great. No, singers. he's in the George Sanders school. Yes, isn't he? The Rex Harrison yes, school. Yes, yes, and I'm a bit in that school too. Though I have done a few musicals, I sing a, a bit. But, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it, really. So did you have to audition for that, or did you know? Oh, that yeah, that? yeah. I was... They saw me, serendipity. They came to see... I was working at the RSC. I was doing a, a Ben Johnson play. Um, we opened it in London at the Young Vic, having come down from Stratford. It was quite a hit in Stratford. Two of the actors in it, Kavork and... Um, Mark Hadfield, Kavork Mannikin. Oh, he's done a Doctor Who. Yes, has he? Yes. You, oh, Bless wonderful Kavork. Yes. He's a bit of a legend. He's done loads. Has he? Yeah, well, loads of... I mean, he's been in everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Indiana Jones to mind there, your language. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is an absolute legend. Um, he, the, he was auditioning. They were both auditioning for it and had been for some time because, um, I mean, I think the auditions went on for the best part of a year. You know... Um, it's, the Americans coming over from time to time. Anyway, Pippa Alien, the casting director, bought, I think it was Michelle Steckler, one of the American producers, to see the show. Uh, to see these two guys. And of course, that, and they saw me, and they were looking for Scar at that time. And the day after the uh, press night, which didn't go very well, I, had to, I remember it was one of our worst performances. Uh, the night after, uh, the day after, my agent rang me and said, "The Lion King people have been on. Do you want to? Can you sing?" I said, "Well, a bit." And do you want to audition for the Lion King? So I said, and I didn't know anything about it. I'd heard of it. I'd never seen. I didn't have kids. I hadn't seen the cartoon or animated feature, as the Americans insist on calling it. And um, I didn't know anything about it. I knew it was a famous. Broadway show, but I had I'd won lots of awards, but I didn't know quite much about it at all. So um, I said, yeah, I guess so, yeah, why not? So they sent me the stuff, and I auditioned three times. Fine. Each, the final one was like a show. They hired a theatre. It was completely packed. 
I think it was a Southwark Playhouse, full of all the producers, the Julie Taymor, of course, was the crucial person. Um, uh, it was like doing a show, and we were there all day. He got down to two of us per role. Me and Nigel Planer, actually. Wow. For Scar. And um, we had to do the scenes. I had to do two, three scenes, sing the song, and I had to do all that twice. Once with a different Mufasa and a different boy, whatever it was. Um, and uh, and that went on all day. And we, it was such a sort of tense and uh, tense time. I remember my Nigel and I went for a drink afterwards because uh, we were sort of chill out a bit. Uh, anyway, and so then I got that, which was very nice. I guess that, so. There's no rivalry by that point again. I guess you just. No, I think you feel a bit as if you've kind of been in a battle together, <laughs> you know. we sort of comrades in arms, really. Um, yeah. Well, look, this has been Listen, th- far from a battle, but thank you th- very much for your time. Well, I have two questions. Yeah. One is, um, because you've kindly given your time, yeah. and the listeners are not paying for this, and I do not get paid, we ask the listeners to donate to a charity. So what's your charity, Rob? The NSPCC. And this podcast was convened nominally to um, celebrate 50 years of Doctor Who, um, just a small part of your career, but what is your message to the Doctor Who fans out there? Keep watching. <laughs> Rob Edwards, <laughs> thank you very much indeed. Thank you. That was great, thank you. And that was all right for you. Yeah. And Rob has remembered one more amusing thing from Doctor Who. As the case may be. Uh, when I was doing The Lion King, about year three or four, my understudy, because they changed quite a bit anyway, walking under, Scar has a walking understudy. Because uh, you get four weeks holiday. Anyway, I digress. He said to me, you're Rob Edwards, aren't you? And not many people ever say that to me. <laughs> I said, yes. He said, you're in The Robots of Death, aren't you? I said, yeah, that's right. That's brilliant. That's my. Favorite. He was a big Doctor Who buff, <laughs> and he brought me, and I had no idea. He said the Robots of Death is a cult thing. It's highly regarded. Highly yeah. regarded, and I had no idea. At first, I'd heard. I said, "Really?" Because I still occasionally do get letters from people about it, you know. But I hadn't really twigged that it was. He said, "Oh yeah, yeah, Robots of Death, fantastic," and he gave me um, a DVD. He first of all gave me a videotape of it, and then he then he found a DVD of it and gave me a DVD and uh, that's the first time I saw it again and he was a huge Doctor Who fan well you've been, you're very lucky because it's been it was released on video it was one of the first on video then oh, it's right. been released on DVD twice oh right okay. so, uh, so you've had yeah. a few more royalties than a lot so of Doctor I don't know how amusing that was no that's that, good <laughs> <laughs> but um, that yeah that's that's the first time I ever kind of thought any, knew anything about the robots of death right. Well, we're on to something, but, you know, that I had, yeah. But so I, perhaps I've been in two things that are famous then, The Lion King and The Robots of Death. That's all right. That's it then, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's enough. And loads of Shakespeare. I mean, loads he's quite famous. He's, he's famous, but he's famous for My thanks to Rob, who I've long admired as an actor, so uh, lovely to uh, spend a bit of time talking to him about his career. And to get him to nominate his charity, which is the NSPCC, National Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Children. 
and their website is www.nspcc.org.uk if you could donate to that and uh, as a reward I'll do another Who's Round around about the same time next week bye bye Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor Who, Order of the Daleks. This is Planetary Assessor Malcolm Pendle of the Central Galactic Census Bureau. We've picked up a signal, you see. A signal? From here? What kind of signal? Doctor, you were foolish to return here. Four strangers approach the gate. I need all the novices to ready arms. Demons. Uh, we're not demons. Demons, women. What's the difference? My brothers, destroy these demons from another world. These were beings unlike anything we had ever encountered. This planet was a Garden of Eden. Soon it'll be nothing more than a Dalek chemical factory. Soon the order of the Daleks will reign supreme! Big Finish. We love stories.